Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. Go to the website memorize the catalog heck have it open with you when you go to your local dealer and get one of those amazing sales staff to walk you through how to get fitted from the feet all the way up to the top of your head with the latest and greatest from fox racing canada they've got great product and uh, they also do an amazing job of their product knowledge meetings with the sales staff at your dealer to make sure that uh, you are completely informed on all things you need to know about how to get keep yourself protected and uh, and feeling good when uh, you're getting that throttle therapy also with us is guts racing andy greg at guts racing fantastic guy he just sent me not only a seat cover but also a staple gun so that i can do all of my bikes with guts racing seat covers really excited about that actually could not be more excited to be able to have my entire fleet decked out in guts racing seats and lastly an opportunity for Big MX Radio listeners to save some money and getting uh, a brand new set of bars for your motocross bike. And that is from Phoenix Handlebars. Big MX 15 saves you 15% off every single purchase that you make through Phoenix Handlebars. And uh, we get a little slice of that. So I uh, would really appreciate everyone if you're, if you're looking for a new set of bars. I have uh, Phoenix Handlebars on my bike. Uh, they took me to a championship this summer uh so if they can work for me they're certainly be good enough for you uh i wrapped up the uh, plus 25b title i'll be talking about that for a little while because uh, that's my first one ever and i'm pretty excited about it so uh you guys have to deal with that a little bit. So this will be a solo podcast, uh, but an exciting one, uh, one that I hope to be informative as well as uh, analytical when it comes to breaking down what we might see this weekend at Redbud Track and Trail, Redbud MX, uh, one of the most historic and uh, renowned motocross tracks, honestly, globally, but certainly in the United States, uh, it's it's always held on the 4th of July weekend for the outdoor nationals in the States. Uh, it's features obviously have uh, a ton of elevation change, great soil. Um, there's talk that they've added a lot of sand over the years. Um, and they have, I don't, I'm not saying they haven't added 
some sand, but uh, and they certainly have to for the start. Um, but uh, the soil there is kind of an embarrassment of riches as far as just great soil to work with. Uh, it it, does, it can get hard packet uh, because there is a base there, uh, but they just do such a great job prepping it. And on a weekend where there actually won't be a ton of uh, traffic on the track, like there's just not that many uh, riders um, through throughout the entire event uh, compared to say an outdoor national or an amateur event um, that uh, the track doesn't even really get that beat up. So uh, we're looking uh, like it'll be great conditions. Weather looks like it's going to be great. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll just be watching people sending the leap over and over again. Uh, and I would absolutely love to see that. This will be my first time attending a motocross of nations of event motocross. I'm going to call it the motocross to nations because honestly uh, I've always called it the donations, designations, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they anglicized it in 2004, uh, but it, to me, it's always been the Dead Nations. Uh, maybe that's the French connection of being Canadian a little bit. Either way, uh, that's how I prefer it anyway. So that's how I'm going to I'm going to refer to it for the rest of this podcast because uh, it just uh, for me it just sounds wrong for the of nations. But whatever. Uh, either way. Um, and the, yeah, this will be the first time of for me attending an in front event, which is uh, the MXG GP uh, promoters. Uh, they were nice enough to uh, reward me with a, a press credential, uh, a media credential for this coming weekend. And uh, I'll be leaving tomorrow morning in actually about four, five hours from now to uh, to drive down 15 hours to uh, just outside of uh of of the track to uh where my hotel's at and uh yeah looking forward to it. it should be a lot of fun uh and the track should be great like i said the weather would be great as well so motocross donations uh where did this all start um this event actually is celebrating a birthday this year than a rather significant one. Uh, it's amazing to think that on the same year that uh, AMA Pro Motocross celebrates its 50-year anniversary, the Motocross Donations celebrates 75 years in existence. That's right, 25 years, half of American motocross history's uh, existence 25 years prior to uh, the AMA Nationals really being a thing that was recognized and, and organized um, they were racing this event in fact just after uh, just outside of the, uh, the Second World War this uh, this race was held for the very first time in the Netherlands and uh, the the first winner was uh, of course uh, Great Britain uh, who actually ho hold the uh, the record for second most victories at this event um, but um, a lot of people would be surprised to find out and some people do know that uh, this this actually this event was actually originally split into three weekends uh, and three separate events altogether there was the motocross donations which was a five 500 cc event there was the trophy donations which was uh which is a 250 cc event and i actually had that flip-flopped i used to think that uh the more the trophy donations was the 500 event but uh the motocross donations was a 500 event starting in 1947 um and uh i can only imagine the manufacturers that were being raced back then uh like all over the place from uh uh CZ to Pook, you name it. There was some really exotic brands uh, that 
like I well, I actually look to look forward to uh, sort of getting into some of that in the coming year with our new program called the Ongoing History of Motocross. Uh, but either way, uh, and then there was also a 125 event, which was not nearly as popular. Most I actually didn't even know it existed until I started doing research for this podcast, which was the Coupe Donations, which is uh, a trend translated from French, obviously, is just the Cup Donations or um, yeah, the Nations Cup. And uh, that was a 125 event. And those events were actually held separately in different locations and different weekends until 19, uh, 19, 1984, which was in Finland. And, of course, that race was won by Team U- USA, uh, which uh, on that team was David Bailey, Rick Johnson, and Johnny O'Mara, who uh, who were on the team uh, for a, a number of years and were extremely successful. They were uh, kind of like the uh, the the uh, anchor to why uh, the the U.S. ended up winning 13 straight starting in 1981. Um, and and thanks to that 13 straight, um, that's basically uh, a lot of the reason why the U.S. have a stranglehold on lead for most motocross nations wins at 22. Uh, of course, they haven't won uh, in 11 years, but uh, even still, uh, they have 22 victories at this event, and uh, and and that's uh, yeah, they're six more than their next closest competitor is uh great britain who actually hasn't won the event since 1994 uh third on that uh, on the docket would be belgium with 15 only one uh win adrift from great britain but either way uh the u.s still hold a stranglehold as far as uh the 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 tip of the spear as far as uh coming out on top at this event a very interesting event now so for those who might be listening who don't totally understand the format for motocross nations, it's not like uh, a motocross uh, race in the States. It, uh, it's not like an AMA national. It's not like a Canadian national. It's uh, it's honestly not a whole lot like a GP. Uh, it's a race totally ab- upon itself. Uh, every nation sends three riders. You get uh, Now it used to be 125, 250, and 500. Now you have the MX2, the MX class, and the open class, of course. Uh, we don't run open bikes anymore. I believe the last time we really would have seen open bikes at this event would have probably been around 2000, 2001, maybe would have been the, like uh, probably around 1999, 2000 would have been the last time that you saw a 500 roll out to the line. Uh, open bikes in that era were more considered to be the Husabergs and the KTMs, which of course Joel Schmetz uh, racing that in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, to a lot of success with Great Brit or with with, uh, with Belgium, and um, yeah, so the each 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 nation sends three guys. Hopefully, they're three best guys, and that's not always the case, unfortunately. And we're going to get to that as we kind of comb through some of these uh, these lineups for the for the riders on these different teams. But uh, so each team gets three riders. They they run separate races on the Saturday to qualify to go into uh, the the events on the Sunday. So there are three races on Sunday. Every every racer on their team will race twice. 125s versus 500s, 125s versus 250s, and 250s versus 500s. So um, 
you're obviously a 125 is always at a disadvantage when uh, when racing a race like this. Uh, Steve Lampson is one of the only guys to have won a a 500 race or the five the 125 first 500 race on a 125, which ironically enough was uh, he he placed first just ahead of Sebastian Tortelli in I believe that was 1996. <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, uh, and um, both those riders actually ended up just ahead of uh, of American Jeff Emig, who was on a 500, so uh, one of the only other times that uh, that a 125 had won against the 500s was, uh, was of course, also Johnny O'Mara, who is, an, is a legend in his own right. The guy uh, was so strong in through the eighties and even early nineties, uh, an absolute, like there was so many absolute legends in the eighties. If he was in any other era, John, Johnny O'Mara would likely stand high above everybody. Obviously when you have, you have a decade, we've got Jeff Ward, uh, Brock Glover, Rick Johnson, Dave, David Bailey, um, Ron Lachine, like all those guys, like literally just listing off for an entire decade, those guys were at the absolute precipice of uh, racing in uh, in the U.S. And, and that's why they would just win year over year over year. As soon as they started to cl- uh, crack off uh, more cross nations wins, they would show up and basically uh, trounce the field. And uh, um, yeah, 1996 was, uh, was another example of that with uh, Steve Lampson winning the race against the 500s on a 125 and uh, his teammate sitting in third. Like when, when a team goes one, three on the event, uh, you're going to have, you're going to, it's going to be pretty easy to win that race or win the event uh, when you have such low scoring. So how, how uh, the scoring works for more cross nations, if you don't already know, uh, and it goes, it's basically uh, Olympic scoring. You have, and apparently uh, the, it's an oxymoron because there's not a lot of actual Olympic events that that's, use that scoring. But essentially, uh, getting first place means you get one point. Getting second place means you get two points, and on backward. So if what you're wanting is both your guys to do well. And, and be as close to the front as possible, uh, and you're going to drop one of those six moto scores. Typically, you will drop your uh, your weakest 250 score, uh, 250F score, uh, more often than not. But there have been some races, uh, f- some some events won where uh, um, I believe e- I was even uh, uh, Jeffrey Hurlings had one of his motos dropped uh, in order for the Netherlands to win. I think that was in Red Bud, if I'm not not mistaken of course with Glenn Coldenhoff going 1-1 on that particular day uh so moving into this particular weekend uh I think all signs point towards the U.S. having themselves a banner day but before we get to uh, talking about that team let's talk about some of the teams that uh we are going to see uh as well this particular weekend uh and starting off with the defending champions from last year of course the states was not uh was not didn't line up last year so uh, they're a little bit down the list here we'll get to them that's uh also kind of by design to keep you guys listening throughout the podcast not like it uh, really matters that you listen longer but uh i I, th- I think it's fun to uh to, to get a little bit more analysis in there so team italy is three guys who um Two out of the three guys really didn't uh, 
have full seasons like uh mata guaranini uh on the gas gas uh had himself a pretty up and down season all things considered uh and antonio caroli ended up racing i think a grand total of five outdoor nationals this last year uh of course he is a nine-time world champion uh definitely on the back nine of his career if not uh, uh looking at the 18th green but uh, this team is is going to be is always going to have uh, a potential to to make some noise in this event. They're they're always very very fast, good starters. Um, my biggest question is uh, Andrea Adamo. He's got he's got one podium to his credit um, in in MX2 uh, in uh, looks like three years racing in that class. Uh, his average points per GP is 19, so he's not really up there that often. He's got the one podium uh, that happened uh, probably pretty recently, I would imagine. He got his very first podium this year in Lombardia uh, for the Gas Gas team. He's been racing for uh, for Gas Gas ever since uh, the beginning of 2021. Uh, so he basically has two full seasons as a uh, as an MXGP rider uh, in the two in the 250 class uh he's he's got some good stats but i get i think definitely uh a demo would definitely be uh the low point or i guess the the biggest question mark for team italy um so i guess we'll see what happens there moving on to uh team netherlands and of course this team uh would otherwise have jeffrey hurlings on it if he wasn't injured and and unfortunately that's been a theme with jeffrey throughout his career uh ever, probably in the last five years uh we've only really had uh a couple of seasons or even a season where where jeffrey didn't have some sort of injury mid-season end of season off-season uh injury that kind of keeps him away from uh us being able to watch him do his thing he's uh arguably one of the most talented uh, racers in the world, uh, but injuries will always hold you back uh, if if you're if you're gonna have them in the sport of motocross. Uh, he was the 2021 uh, MX MXGP champ and uh, didn't get to defend his title at all, which is a huge bummer because uh, like we we uh, we like to see close racing and uh, and and good good championships right down to the wire. We didn't get that in MXGP this year. Uh, but Netherlands is still going to be strong. Um, Glenn Holden, Koldenhoff had an absolute career day at this exact track uh, in 2018, uh, and he'll be looking to do something very similar. He'll be running the number four. On the five, uh, aboard his Husqvarna will be uh, K. De Wolf, who in his own right has been getting better and better Every single weekend that uh, that he races in MXGP, he'll be on the MX2 bike. I think he's going to be very, very strong. And rounding out that team is Calvin Valerandrin, who is is a great rider in his own right, and he ha- he has experience not only at this track but also at uh, motocross donations, uh, which I think is a very important thing for this event. And I, I think we're going to get to that later on when we talk about Team USA. Is that having experience at this event? Uh, allows you to calm the nerves, 
live within the moment of just uh, seizing the day and and understanding how the format works, what you need to do to be successful at this race. That's why I think uh, Team Netherlands is going to be a serious threat this year. They have a very well-rounded team, and uh, they're one of, I think, only five teams that have uh, racers that basically competed in premier uh, series is all the way through this last year. You can't say that about Team Italy with Antonio Caroli only racing about five nationals and basically being retired uh, after uh, during the off season of this last year. So uh, I think uh, out of the first two teams, you're giving the nod to Netherlands because uh, they're just they're coming in uh, with uh, a full head of steam after. Uh, like some pretty solid performances throughout these last uh, this last year. Uh, they obviously did well last year as well, and those guys all have recent meaningful game gate drops. Third in 2021 was Team Great Britain, uh, and they'll be bringing a host of guys who, uh, honestly, this team, uh, like they've they've got some uh, star power as far as names go, but uh, they got a couple of guys that are pretty long in the tooth. In fact, I think they might all be either over 30 or at least over 28 years old. Uh, Tommy Searle, Max Anstey, and Dean Wilson, all three of which are, uh, are, are pushing uh, the back end of their careers. Um, Max Anstey looking to be racing uh, World Supercross uh, with the Genuine Honda team alongside Ken Roxon. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Dean Wilson on that team as well. And uh, Tommy Searle, who uh, this last year, I think he raced one or two GPs, but for the most part, just raced uh, the 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 great uh, the 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 race in England or the the racing series in England. So, uh, like maybe not up to pace where he needs to be. Neither is Max Anstey. He didn't race a lot of out. He, I think he only raced two outdoor nationals this last year and uh, two or three outdoor nationals. And then you have Dean Wilson, who raced I believe the last three outdoor nationals, uh, but basically used those races to get back up to race pace. So third last year in the standings, uh, I think it'll be a stretch for them to be able to get back to there this year. But uh, either way, those guys uh, carry a lot of clout with them. Just those three uh, very well-known names within the sport. And of course, Max Dancy had himself a career day. Matterly Basin winning both his motos, going 1-1 uh, on a day that uh, Team USA would rather forget. Uh, spinning things over to uh, the fourth place team from the previous season in 2021, you have Team France who always come to play. They're crafty Frenchmen who they race for their country, they wear their heart on their sleeves, and they know how to win this event. And in fact, all three racers on this uh, on this team have won this event before, if, if I'm not mistaken. Maxime Renault uh, may, might not have won it, but I, I think he, he's honestly... He, he, he might be uh, like the, the the brightest spot on this team. Like he he's had this is he's just finishing off his first full year on the MXGP bike. Uh, you know that Yamaha is going to be uh, working great underneath him at Redbud. Uh, you have Marvin Muscan who is dropping down to a 250F. He's the oldest guy on the team, and he's on the 250F. I think that is absolutely amazing and uh, really cool to see. Marvin is going to be hauling ass on uh, on the 250F. Uh, if they give him a good gate pick, he is a good starter. I think these guys have a, a potential to really make some noise. The biggest question mark for me would be... Uh, 
would be Dylan Ferrandis. Uh, I've I've received word that he is in fact on the team, uh, but um, you may end up still seeing Gautier Paulin, who uh, has been uh, been rumored to be filling in for Dylan if he's got some sort of uh, some back issue. So if it's Gautier Paulin, that definitely uh, uh, puts a, a bit of a damper on things as far as uh, the, the 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 ceiling of where. Um, Team France can be, but honestly, Team France won the uh, Gautier Paulin has won a number, I believe, five times at Motocross Nations, so he might be able to pull one more rabbit out of the hats. So, moving on to Team Belgium, like I said, uh, there's all there's out of the, the top three teams that have uh, have won this event the most. Team Belgium third with 15 times winning this event. Of course, that uh, a lot of those uh, teams did include uh, the man himself, Roger DeCoster. Uh, but either way, these guys know how to win this event. They've got, uh, and it means a lot to those uh, who, who competed, especially their 250 uh, rider, their MX2 rider, Liam Everett, who is, of course, the son of Stefan Everett, who uh, has won this event uh, from a personal level before, as well as on the team side. Uh, Jargo Geertz uh, on the t- uh, 250, or he's on he's on a 450. He's moved up from the 250F uh, that he, he raced this last year. I'm sure he's still reeling a little bit from not winning the overall championship in the MX2 class, uh, but uh, I assume he'll probably go down and try and uh, win it next year. He's going to have some serious speed. Everts is going to have some speed. Uh, the only question mark for me is Jeremy Van Horbeek, who's on a beta, um, but... Honestly, Van Horbeek's a veteran. He's been at this race before. Uh, he's he's not going to be reading uh, uh, reading jerseys out there, um, and he is a good starter. So if uh, if if these three guys can get good starts and stay consistent, they're may- quietly maybe one of the most uh, well-rounded teams. I think they have the potential to uh, to be uh, probably within the five to eight range. Uh, but uh, don't don't count them out off of the podium because uh, crazy things happen in this race, and uh, all three of these guys are absolute speed demons. Next team we have is is Estonia, and I didn't think that Tana Leok was coming back. I, I didn't, th- I couldn't believe when I was going through the list of uh, the teams that uh, Tana Leok was going to be representing Estonia once again. Um, if you want to go through stats with Tana Leok, it's actually kind of ridiculous. Uh, he has, he's been racing this, uh, the uh, MXGP since 2004. It's 2022 right now. Like Tana Leok has been racing professional motocross for as long as I've been racing. Period. Minus a couple of years. Like for as long as I've been on big bikes, uh, Tana Leok has been racing uh, the the like this this series. It's absolutely ridiculous. He raced this last this last year uh, in uh, in Latvia. He has a win actually. He has three. Uh, MXGP wins to his credit. He has four race wins to his credit, 14 podiums, and an incredible 4,420 total points over the course of 254 GPs 
That that just goes to show how long this guy has been doing it. That is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, good on him though for having done done it as long as he had. He actually didn't race any uh, in 2021. Came back and raced one uh, this last year. Uh, so that's that's incredible to just to see. Uh, a guy who has just continued to uh, represent his country and uh, continues to race. Uh, as, as far as uh, his uh, his his teammates, Harry Coolis uh, aboard the Yamaha, um, he's been racing professionally since 2008. He, uh, he's no spring chicken himself, so he's been at it for quite some time. Uh, his best finish uh, in an MXGP, he'll be on the open bike, by the way. Uh, his MXGP uh, best result is an 11th, um, and he got that. Uh, he, he got. Uh, MXGP, what was his, his uh, most recent 11th? 2017, he he got that. So that's it's been a while since Harry Coolis uh, has put in that good of a, a result. Uh, so clearly, uh, Estonia is going to be up against it a little bit speed-wise. Um, but either way, great to see those two guys, a couple of veterans in the sport, uh, getting after it. Uh, between Valentin Giaud... Jeremy Sewer and Kevin, Ber- yeah, Kevin Brumman. Uh, Team Switzerland is going to be solid, if nothing else. Uh, Sewer has the potential to go as fast as anyone in the world, and I can't wait to see this guy rip. This guy is someone that I've had on my, uh, and Giard for that matter, uh, who has hasn't been as. Uh, I haven't noticed him as much lately, but uh, he does have um, he does have a fifth place as his uh, best finish in an MXGP. Uh, he turned pro in 2010 uh, and does have a he does have three uh, GP wins in the 250 class, and that's exactly what he'll be riding is is uh, is the MX2 bike. Um, so I've been I've been wanting to see Giard and Sewer for a long time. I'm looking forward to seeing those guys do their thing. Uh, depth of their team might not totally be there. I can't tell you a lot of things about Kevin Brumman, but, uh, uh, I can tell you that, uh, he did race this last year. Uh, he's, 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 he must be pretty young, uh, considering his best finish. He's, he only, he only started racing, uh, MXGP in 2021, uh, started racing in the MXGP class in, uh, in 2022. He's only raced four GPs in the, in the MXGP class and his best finish is a 22nd. So, uh, not the greatest, uh, 22nd overall. So he must've gotten a couple motos with some points. He's got eight points, uh, in four GPs. Uh, but, uh, he will definitely be, uh, um, someone to watch on, on team Switzerland, it'll sort of their, their overall placing will completely depend on how his day goes. Um, unfortunately for team Germany, uh, they will not have one of the, the fastest riders on the planet, Ken Roxon under their tent this year. Uh, they got Max Nagel who, uh, if I'm not mistaken, turned pro, I think he got to be to like 2006, 2004. Yeah. He's, so he's been around as long as, uh, as Tana Leoc. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Cause I, I remember, uh, uh, Max, Max Nagel in those, uh, mini warriors videos from like 2001. So this kid's been around for a long, long time. Uh, I, did he did he race any GPs this last year? No, he hasn't raced at uh, MXGP since 2019. Uh, he's kind of coming out of the woodwork for this. Um, but uh, and they also have uh, Tom Cock, 
but uh, they're, they're like Team Germany. They're, um, I guess their their superstar is Simon Lagenfelder. Uh, Simon is a guy who could legitimately win the MX2 class. He's got speed for days, tons of style. He goes fast on that gas gas, and, and you know he's going to bring it on a track like um, like like Redbutt. I think that he's going to flow really well there. I think once he has the track down, watch out for Langenfelder. Uh, he, he won, I believe it was the first GP this last year. He's a super young kid, but... Uh, um, Three years in the MX2 class. He's got one GP win. I believe that was the first race of the year this year. He also had another moto win later on this year. Um, he's raced 43 GPs, so he's he's uh, he's he's been around long enough to know uh, how to go fast on uh, um, on two wheels. And I look forward to seeing how he does. He got third in the championship. Uh, this year in MX2, so uh, and he very well could be the fastest man on track in uh, in one of the motos this coming weekend. Um, let's spin things uh, forward to uh, a couple of other teams that I think are really going to stand out. Uh, obviously, you've got uh, you've got Sweden with Frederick Noren. He's going to be uh, uh, he's going to be ripping. Obviously, he's he's had a lot of experience at Redbud, having raced in the states for damn near ten years now. Uh, Team Ireland will have uh, Martin Barr, who, if I'm not mistaken, has been racing uh, MXGP since, yeah, just almost as long as uh, as, as Nagel and uh, Tana Leak since 2005. His last uh, MXGP was 2015, so it's been a minute. Seven years have, have come and gone since Martin Barr was, uh, was racing MXGPs, and I still think that he's probably uh, the biggest standout on his team, so uh, I'm not too sure how uh, Team Ireland is going to do, but uh, let's just let's let's talk about a team that I think has a very good chance of making some serious noise this year, and that's my home team. That's Team Canada. Dylan Wright, perfect season this last year for the GDR Honda boys. He's fast. He's he's got uh, he's got. I know he's got to get his knees fixed in the off season. He's probably going to focus on that. But uh, he's probably just he's he's got he's got the, the some rest under his belt, some good motos, and uh, a full head of steam heading into MX of Nations, the second time that he's going to be able to represent Canada, and uh, he's got some momentum of the of a perfect season that he's coming off. I think that's going to be amazing. Uh, on the on the MX2 bike, you have Ryder McNabb, a 16-year-old, uh, if not just turned 17-year-old. Either way, 16-year-old, youngest Canadian to ever win the MX2 title. Uh, he went out and did that this last year in his third full season as a pro. That's right. Uh, like he's been racing the pro class for three seasons, two years. You can race uh, in the uh, MX2 class as a pro am, as an intermediate rider, or as a B rider. Um, but uh, he was able to win the championship this last year in the MX2 class, um, and and he and he's 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 really solid. We had him on the podcast yesterday. The kid is going to be flying this weekend and probably looking good head to toe in Fox Racing Apparel. Uh, and rounding out the team, a guy who has represented his nation of Canada. This will be nine times. Tyler Medaglia, 
coming off of what was one of, I would say, his most impressive seasons as a pro to date. He had got second in almost every single moto during the Canadian Nationals until he put his shoulder on backwards at the very last National when he dropped down to ride a 250F uh, in that in that uh, that series. Um, he had uh, the shoulders okay. Apparently, had no issues with the shoulder once it was back in. Uh, the real problem that he was facing was the fact that uh, he also had a broken hand. That's what helped kept him out of the international six days. Uh, that was in France. Um, he still had some nagging issues with that in late August, early uh, September. Uh, so he's only got maybe. Th- three or four uh, weeks on the bike. But talking to Tyler yesterday, it sounds like he's going to be coming in uh, guns a-blazing, looking forward to putting his best foot forward. So I have all the confidence in the world in him to do exactly what he needs to do and uh, and put Canada in, I would say, for sure. Uh, can They can be a top-five team. They can be five, six, seventh-place team if all, if all three of those guys uh, ride the way they know how. And I think that... Uh, They'll, they'll do exactly that. Uh, let's talk about the other two teams that we know are going to have uh, really special teams uh, at this uh, particular event. Of course, you've got uh, uh, Team Guam, that was basically Team USA, uh, plus uh, Sean Lepanovich. You've got uh, Benny Bloss, as well as Joshua Veriz. Uh, but uh, Team USA and Team Australia. Um Odds on uh, for these two teams to be going 1-2 all weekend long. You've got Team Australia. That's the Hunter brothers plus Mitchell Evans aboard his Honda is going to be absolutely lights out. Um... I, I'm look, really looking forward to seeing how he does. He's on the MXGP bike. Hunter Lawrence is going to be on the MX2 bike. And making his 450 professional motocross debut is Jet Lawrence. Uh, fresh off a, 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 a back-to-back 250 outdoor championships in the States, uh, Jet Lawrence is poised to, uh, to lead his team uh, riding for the open bike. So I think he's, he's going to be in motos two and three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. They're going to be strong. If they can get good starts, uh, Team USA is going to have their hands full with uh, with Australia. But honestly, I still give the nod to Team USA as the strongest team that's, uh, that, that's uh, bringing to this, uh, this event. You have all three guys who uh, who won races this last year in recent history. You've got Chase Sexton, Justin Cooper, and Eli Tomac. Obviously, Eli Tomac and Chase Sexton coming uh, uh, fresh off a championship that was as close as a, as a series has ever been in AMA motocross. Uh, it, it was that close. Obviously, Chase came, came a little unraveled in that last moto at, uh, at Paula, but either way, both guys can have their head held high that they were absolutely on rails all summer long. And honestly, I think that Justin Cooper was the right choice for the 250 spot. There's some people who argue with me that it should have been Christian Craig or it should have been someone else. Uh, but in all honesty, you got to go with someone who has time on that bike, gate drops on that bike, and success on the 250 uh at different at different days was uh christian craig going faster than uh than justin cooper absolutely but yeah he's on a 450 uh and honestly you can't show me in recent history these 
Christian Craig unbelievable rides on a 250F outdoors. Yeah, he won a Supercross championship this last year. It's out. This is this is a more cross the nation. This is outdoors. It's not the same at all uh, as far as uh, um, and 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 Justin Cooper also has experience in this event. He's been there before. Yeah, things kind of came unraveled. I believe that was an Assen. Uh, but either way, I think he's going to have a really successful uh, successful day. Um, that star racing Yamaha is going to eat. He's going to be jumping the, the leap every uh, every lap. Uh, and I think that if he can get good starts, he might even be able to lead some laps out there. And uh, I think he puts the Team USA in the best position to be successful. Let me know what you guys think, guys. Uh, I would love for you guys to uh, connect with me on Instagram. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are for the motocross donations. Uh, hit me up. Uh, let me know if you think that uh, Joe Shimoda uh, has a chance to make the A-Main with, uh, with his two teammates from J- Japan. Uh, connect with me on social media, whether it's Instagram, uh, Twitter, Heck, TikTok or Facebook, you guys can uh, send me a direct message and I always answer. I uh, want to thank again my sponsors, Fox Racing Canada. Like I said, memorize the catalog, then head on to into your local dealership to make uh, to, to make your purchases. Phoenix Handlebars, Fe- Big MX 15 saves you 15% on every single purchase with Phoenix Handlebars, which includes apparel, so go check that out. Uh, um, go get some stuff, go get yourself some brand new bars. You'll be glad you did. Uh, and then also we have guts racing, uh, and we'll be looking to add to that sponsor list in the coming weeks. So, uh, and, uh, we'll get to keep you guys uh, posted on that. Uh, so for myself, Brad Gebhardt on the big MX radio podcast, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you go, uh, and, and, if you're watching, uh, the MX, uh, donations this year uh, on, uh, on MX GP TV, or if you're at the at the track and you happen to see me, flag me down, give me a high five. Maybe we'll have a beer together, something along those lines, or at least do some bench racing. I would love to do it. You guys have a great one. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>